0: played a lot of tetris i never played dr mario i only played it when i was dating a woman who had played it a lot as a kid we played it at a bar where that you could set up a nintendo and and play dr mario and get my ass kicked
1: the things you'll do for girls huh (laughs) anything
0: (laughs) 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 welcome to the hey good game podcast where we chat with the creators of your favorite games that you secretly play in the cracks of your day I'm here with Joseph Ruder, Aaron Cardell, and myself, Nate Cadillac, and you know this is a podcast about games, you know, and I think more specific, it's casual games. But I'm we're we're just kind of riffing on this episode about like what games mean to us, and um, yeah, Joseph, what do games mean to you? The
1: mind goes back to growing up and uh, you know just goofing off, trying to learn how to ice skate. Had a pond next to the house, right? And it was always about like, how can I optimize this turn? Because <laughs> I taught myself. At, Where was this? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, Saint Cloud, next to a park. Where is Saint Cloud? Minnesota. That the city would flood, like roll the trucks out there and flood the baseball field, and it would turn into an ice skating rink in the winter. And then I would like figure out how to get water out onto the the ramp. Right? It was a hill, but I turned it into an icy kind of you know, jump ramp. And then we had a trampoline and you got a bike and now you have autonomy. And that was all just play. And when I was, ah, whenever the Nintendo came out for whatever reason, we didn't know a lot growing up, but I got a Nintendo that first Christmas and like duck hunt and super Mario brothers. Oh my goodness. And I remember getting Zelda when it came out and then just tethering myself to that screen until I could, Until I won, it was just so captivating to put your brain in another world, right? You come back from school and just get stuck to it. So those are like those first notions of, of play that I remember, right? Like I needed to focus on this thing to create a world, to create an engagement, to get good at a thing. And then anything digital was that
0: first Nintendo. Do you remember the Zelda cartridge? Like it was a gold cartridge, right? Well, before, before you're, so Joseph's blowing into the cartridge <laughs> that we doing right now, but I remember opening it or seeing it at a friend's house before I owned it. And I was reminded that there was a battery in that cartridge and I, he, he would not let me play it because he's like, Oh, you have only so many times to play this game. And I don't know if that was actually true or not. I, yeah, but, it, but I remember this gold cartridge just looked like all the other ones were gray. Yeah. So it just, I remember looking at the Zelda cartridge and I'm like, holy shit, Like this is amazing. Yeah, I was captivated right away.
2: You know, it's remarkable for as much time as I spent playing on that, we never had that many games. Mm. I I spent an awful lot of time in uh, Super Mario Brothers, maybe Super Mario Brothers 3 at some point. Then I think the other two games I was probably in the most were Tetris and Dr. Mario. And I, I don't know. Do you guys ever play Dr. Mario?
1: No, but Tetris.
2: So definitely similar vibe to Tetris. But I think for for me that kind of connects back to like Tetris and Dr. Mario. That that was like the first really getting into brainy games was was back then. So that that was more on the playing side, but on the creation side, the the first. So I I started coding when I was like six years old but the the first big program that i wrote that was like one big cohesive program that actually did something in fifth grade i made a a clone of connect four and you you (laughs) couldn't play the computer you had to play with somebody else it was all written in basic so
0: when you played with someone else were they like right next to you they were
2: right next to you you had to be right next to each other it was using the same keyboard using the same keyboard was the most janky graphics ever. Think about a circle going on the screen. I didn't know how to like make a whole circle show up. So like the (laughs) circle, you do like one circle and then it would like do each inner circle after that. Like there was no painting the circle. It was like the slowest circle to show up on the screen ever. But
0: that's kind of where I got started on both sides. That's wild. I think like, Programming at six years old is just absurd to think about. In some ways, I think it was
2: easier back then. Like Hmm. easier to get started. Like I think there's so much built up around coding at this point, or like needing to build a big or perfect thing. Like "Hello World" was actually a thing then. Like now, it's kind of like a nostalgic thing. Yeah, but there was a time when you put ten print "Hello World." Into a terminal, and that was a program he typed in and he ran it, and just seems so different than today.
0: Was it because like the language was there like one language that you could code in, and so like you had all these constraints? Is that why it was?
2: I think so. I think, yeah, it was just the norm that people would get started in basic and yeah, had just a very simplistic structure, and it, it was kind of a known thing. What do people start in now if not basic? I'm still trying to figure that out to be honest like i'm I'm trying to yeah. like help my son get started, and he he already does a little bit of coding, but like I think people get started in like MIT has this sketch scratch right scratch is it yeah, yeah, so people get started in scratch. I think a lot of people that like really start to get into it probably default to JavaScript at this point, but even that's a little. It's just different, right? Because there's no type it in
0: and run it in quite the same way that there once was. Cool. So for context, Aaron is a lifelong developer. I'm mostly a designer. And Joseph, how do you kind of title yourself?
1: That's a great question. I've got a little bit of design. I've got a little bit of developer. I've got a little bit of, right, more product focused, like leading, leading teams of those talent brackets to build stuff is where i've spent most of the
0: career hours yeah i think you're like a great generalist you know you you cover a lot of a lot of surface areas and i think as we talk about this stuff like aaron's the developer who has been coding some of these things and joseph and i are both curious about that side of it because we don't have a lot of experience there i think about like where do you start is a good question because i've seen a lot of developers come out with games. Like there's thousands of games that exist on the web and we have seven under our uh, property, hey, good game. But I'm curious, like, is basic like a, is that like a client side language? Like, would you consider that like JavaScript where it's client side kind of, or is it like, I don't even know how to really think about it.
2: Even the way you asked that question is super interesting to me, (laughs) just because like (laughs) client side is such a modern notion to how, I would even think about coding in 1986, right? There was no right. client server. There was no like right. build this to run on the internet. Like what was the internet? Like it was yeah. build it to run on a computer. And, and if you actually wanted somebody else to have that program, like you would give them a floppy disk. So it's client side, yes, but that was all there was, right?
1: Right, right. It's like the ultimate form of sharing. Like It's dark social now, but in the past, it was a floppy disk. Right. Right. It's a t-shirt.
2: Well, it just reminds me, though. Yeah, I may be a developer, but I've always been an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. These janky games that I had, I wasn't giving those away to friends. I wanted to sell them to friends. (laughs) Yeah. Not because it had actual value, but I just wanted to sell it. All right, everyone. Quick break. Attention, game creators. Have you ever thought about selling your game? At Hey Good Game, we're looking to acquire and steward some of the most popular and beloved games on the internet. Even if you're just curious, we offer a fast process to getting you an offer. Just provide some basic analytics and revenue details, and we'll quickly get back to you. If you move forward with us, we usually close within 14 days. Visit hey.gg and see how we can take your game to the next level together. And now, back to the show. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I was uh, an artist. Like as a kid, I was just selling drawings to friends. You know, like that was my 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 goal. But I think I think what's interesting about like the development side is just how. So we're kind of getting at this. Like, there's thousands of games that exist online. There's a lot of developers who tend to create these games as a experimental project. It's like a designer creating a to do list app. You know, like it's sort of like one of those things that people like to do because it's simple. Why do you think? games are so prevalent and why like why do developers tend to create these things that either they're they're taking something from what they've seen or they're creating something new, but it just seems like it's like a a hello world experiment sometimes because there's so many of them out there. Like what what's your take on why these why so many developers create games?
2: I think a lot of people get into coding because the idea of like, oh, I could make a game is uh the thing that drew them there in the first place. Even when we were growing up, everybody was playing games then and, and it was kind of the norm. But but think about like my son, the number of hours he has spent in his life already gaming compared to right. like, what was normal for me back then. It's it's a lot. A lot more than what you were yeah. playing. Yeah. And so I, I think people get into coding because they they want to make a game. And I also think there's just, uh, everybody wants to create something that they themselves will will use or that they can show or share with others. And there's just something a lot more compelling and interesting about creating a game, even as a first thing, than there is, oh, I made another to-do app.
1: Yeah. Well, to-do is about work. Game is about play.
0: Right. I mean, you're going to, as a kid choose play over, I mean, like a to-do list isn't really what you're thinking about. I remember, Aaron, you're
1: talking about selling stuff. In high school, I got into Frisbee golf and we had a shop called Shields. It was like a sporting goods shop. They were the first like non-trendy place to pull discs in. So the whole game was like, can you get discs? Right. And then you'd, we'd skip school <laughs> and we'd go get in a round of Frisbee quick and then come back to school, like skip lunch and skip your study break and whatever. And they didn't have any bags. And so I was pretty good sewing and my mom had some machines and I like cut out all this stuff and started selling it to my friends and then ended up getting them into the sporting goods shop. Right. But it was all about fun and play. And here I stop and go, well, I can make some money on this. Like it's, so there's some trend there that I think is, is exciting. And it's something I'm seeing in my son as well. Like Mr. Beats comes out with chocolate bars and he's like, you think I can buy that and sell it to my friends? <laughs> I don't know. You want to try? It's, it's these seeds that are being planted when you're young. And so that'll be different for our kids if they're not if they're not starting in basic, right? It's yeah, it's Scratch or it's something else. They have this wider view of how things can be made because the ecosystems are so much more de- advanced and developed.
2: Yeah, I hadn't even connected the other thing I peripherally did early to make money was fish golf balls out of a pond, wash them up, and resell them. Not that dissimilar, maybe to the
0: frisbee golf. I think there's a theme that's like interesting is that, uh, you know, games are maybe an introduction to entrepreneurship, which is kind of cool. And unknowingly maybe chasing that as a kid, especially because it's so simple and it's easy to do. I don't think it ever came across my mind to develop games. Um, even though I played them a lot, you know, like I played Oregon trail and Oh boy, played a lot of Tetris. I never played Dr. Mario I only played it when I was dating a woman who had played it a lot as a kid we played it at a bar where that you could set up a Nintendo and, and play Dr. Mario and get my ass kicked. But yeah, I really loved Super Mario. And then I had friends who had Ataris, so I played a lot of Atari, Joust and Pac-Man and a lot of that stuff really early on.
1: The things you'll do for girls, huh? <laughs>
0: Anything. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I remember, uh, you
2: know, by by high school I had progressed to the Nintendo 64 and only two games on there were Goldeneye and uh, Tetris 64. Oh, and, and Mario Kart 64. But, so those those three games. But I invited my high school girlfriend over to play on the Nintendo 64 and uh, her mom was all like, oh, it's inviting you over to play games, huh? And later on, she she went home, she talked to her mom. Yeah, we played games. <laughs> 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 and it was fun
1: <laughs> games as first date yep. well you're gonna have pinball and dart boards and pool and ping pong and foosball in bars right it's like this other thing that you can do you can be around people you can share right it's bowling it's lawn darts it's now you go to punch social or pay
0: to play these big games yeah that's um like a community thing now. So I'm, I'm curious, like we've been talking a lot about like just as a, as a, as a group, like casual gaming. And so why in your minds, like, why is casual gaming so done by so many people? Like you have like the RPGs, you have a lot of like very high fidelity games, but then you have these really simple brainy casual games. Like what, what is it about those that you think is so appealing?
2: I think there's the appeal from the playability perspective, and I think there's the appeal from a developer perspective. And I'll table the playability side. I think from a developer perspective, um, so after my resounding success of creating Connect 4 with super high-fidelity graphics in fifth grade, we, we had a sixth-grade assignment of, like, we had a group project, and we were supposed to do something about countries, right? And I think my group had France and so somehow got the idea of let's make a skiing game like a computer game about skiing and that would be about France and I think I pretty quickly realized like it was this great idea maybe but I didn't have a clue where to start on like all the graphics all the things that would go you know even in 1991 whatever that was like it just became overwhelming very quickly. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And so, um, ultimately like ended up, uh, making a game where you just hit two letters in rapid succession to move a French flag across the screen. And it, it was, it was because that was something I could do. It's something you could achieve. And I think with like a lot of these casual games, it's approachable that, it's a place that developers can start. And the more that you get kind of like into the high fidelity graphics, you get into all these things, like you have to have either advanced skill sets or, or a very large team. And so I think the casual gaming space is just a lot more approachable for a lot more developers to, it, there's something they can do, there's something they can start at.
1: Yeah. From a user standpoint, I'm just trying to check out a reality right i want a little a little hit I w- i'm i'm stressed about something i got a meeting i was on meeting before a meeting right i'm i'm winding down i want to accomplish something right so instead of watching a sitcom that's got a standardized story arc right where you laugh a little and then you get a conflict and then you laugh about them not being able to have a solution right for like 20 minutes and then there's some weird ending the game gives you some kind of simple constraint to pay attention to and then better your better yourself over time. Okie dokie, a quick break. Are you a fan of games that challenge your mind and sharpen your skills? Dive into the world of hey good game where brainy fun meets creativity. Check out Mathler. You can think of it as wordle but with numbers. Solve daily puzzly games using math operations to find the correct answer. Then, explore Simplete, a math game designed with the help of ChatGPT. This game borrows concepts from Hitori, offering a unique challenge for puzzle enthusiasts. You can find those games and others at hey.gg. And now, back to the show. So, a little bit of challenge, achievable. And if it can go on your phone, <laughs> I mean all the better, right? Social death scrolling can only last for so long before you're interested in something a little more interesting and i think we've all experienced something like that right it's like hey just give me a little snippet
0: yeah i think you're like you're right there's f- fills in some of the blanks of your day for sure I was re- i'm was i reading this book right now called the theory of fun by raf costar and it's he kind of points to this reason of like why like daily games have really worked out well and gaming is really just about learning like you're kind of always learning. And when you're done learning with the game, you usually, you become bored of it and you stop playing it. Like you just, you've completed it. And I think like a lot of these daily games are presenting a new challenge every day. So you're never done with it necessarily. There's always some new equation to figure out, new puzzle, new word to kind of like complete the puzzle. You know, So there's always like these ongoing ways to learn. And so it's, it's interesting to me that like a game like Wordle can just last so long you know i mean there's spikes and trends but like people still play it all the time kind of don't ever see that ending because each day presents a new challenge a new attempt to learn something and so casual games to me is like at its simple core it's that's all really all it is right so
1: yeah it's learn something or demonstrate that you are slightly better yesterday i didn't get it today i got it in four i hope tomorrow i can get it in three Right there's yeah. this story arc across time, and we see it on our games when people are like, uh, "Don't change a thing! I play it every day. I love this thing. You don't understand how much I love this thing." Right, and we get it just constantly about it's like a check-in thing, and it might be you know humans and behavior where you attach it to riding the train or before a meeting or whatever it ends up being. You you have little bursts of joy. It's like a sugar cube. You put a sugar cube on a post. Long enough, and the horse finds it, it'll return to that post every time it goes in that ring. It's fun. it's tasty, mm-hmm, I like that. And I
2: think the casual games are like that little sugar cube
1: for the horse, yeah,
2: I think it really is about that ability to dip in and out, right? Like if you were sitting down to play Super Mario Brothers and you hadn't yet mastered it and like had every button pressed down where like i think there are people who can beat it in a few minutes now or whatever but like it was you were signing up for half hour hour or whatever to like get through the whole thing yeah. and and try to beat it and you don't have to commit that now on on most of these casual games it's like the high side of normal is like i need 10 15 minutes to complete a level and that's like high right you know like a, a lot of these are things that you ought to be able to dip into for five minutes have
0: a positive outcome and go on with your day we got this email recently of this guy who has he said he has a hundred telegram like hundred people in his whatsapp group playing our our games daily and they share scores with each other oh that's awesome and uh i think that that component of like everything we just said plus getting your friends or family involved you know my my wife and i play a crossword all every morning and It's so fun, right? And it wouldn't be nearly as fun if I weren't sharing the score with her, you know, or like getting someone to play along with me. So that that idea of community is always like present.
2: I'm trying to remember who the celebrities were, but I was just listening to a podcast and um, there were a few celebrities angling, like, how are we going to get in on Jason Bateman's uh, Wordle group. And, you know, it was like, <laughs> it, it was like Questlove was one of them. And I, I can't remember who else, but maybe Questlove was talking to Conan O'Brien or something. And Conan's like, why would we want to be in on that? You know, but like <laughs> everybody wants to be part of that
0: group, right? Jack Shepard, I think, was a big Quirtle fan. Is that right?
1: Yeah. You guys will play, throw it in the Discord. And I was like, uh, for a while because i know the maker of the game can get 13 <laughs> seconds right it's like because you know how it works and i have to go figure this thing out this is where i was like nate make a video i literally don't know how to play this thing <laughs> but after you learn to play you've got a target right and it's 13 seconds and it's like well i bet i can get 12 if i sit here long enough <laughs> and then of sure if of course I get to 12 and I want to go share that. Hey, it's not sharing as much as boasting or competition, right? It's right. part of, right. you know, hunt and gather and
2: compete. This this human wiring we have connects to the game. I play all of our dailies every, pretty much every morning. And the, the ones that I consistently struggle on are uh, like, I think Nate and I both didn't get today's crosswordle. Yeah. So, still need to
0: tidy up a few things on that game. <laughs> Make sure every level is achievable there. Although I I didn't even count the uh, the number of attempts, but I I know I missed like two, so I wasn't up going to get it anyways.
2: I I missed a few, but there was still like it would have taken me at least five moves at the end, so I was like a long ways off. Every now and then, the daily seven by seven on some plate on a good day that'll take me three minutes. But some days I'm struggling at like the ten minute mark, mm. so those are those are the hard days. And then I had I had a I want to say like a ninety nine day streak going on. Killer Mathler went away wow. two days ago. Oh, <laughs> I get it! I have streaks, pretty aggressive streaks in uh,
1: Duolingo. Yes, so maybe we need some extra stars so you can get a streak freeze.
0: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need some of that stuff.
2: There's
1: saviors, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get on an international flight and then your clock's all messed up and it doesn't think you played that day and you're like, no, I played.
2: <laughs> it just- well, it's, it's interesting, those streaks. So like my son was into Duolingo forever and then camp had a rule. You can't take your phone to camp. Yeah. And so his streak was busted just because he went to camp. And so like now it's demotivational. Like he will not come back to Duolingo because like they messed up his streak.
1: The same thing happened for my daughter. Snapchat was the driver for streaks she has with friends. Goes to camp and then
0: loses it. So it's two years now she loses it. Not happy. How much would you have paid Aaron Duolingo to recapture that streak for him? Well
2: knowing what I know now like, I I want him to, like, stick with it and to be right. learning. And I didn't know how severe that would have been. So, like, at the time, like, nothing. Like, mm. suck it up. Like, that's life. Now, like, I'd probably pay 50 or 100 bucks just so he'd right. yeah. keep with it, you know?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's funny how streaks and consistency is so psychologically, like, embedded in all of us, you know? Like, it yeah. habits are part of our lives and it's, how much would you pay to restore a habit you know yeah well when it's a bad one yeah
1: a lot if you're not looking to overcome it right right when it's a good but how one, many
0: positive streaks yeah habits you know um that you don't want to break would you pay to restore something interesting to think about yeah it is well this is a great chat guys we are excited to talk more about casual games and just gaming in general and how it can play a role in our our adult lives you know even even our kids but Really, I think it's such a interesting concept, and we really hope to dig into maybe bringing people on uh, to interview, uh, talking more about tips and other things around around games in general. But yeah, this is this is a great first episode.
1: Happy to be here. Looking forward to the curiosity that we can generate and bump into together. Thanks, guys.